These are a few of my favorite memes. The picture popping up all over social media and pasted into famous movies, paintings, and photos. Little did Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders know he would make all of us laugh on Inauguration Day. People from both sides of the aisle needed a good laugh, especially last week. The former presidential candidate sat outside at the U.S. Capitol last week, apparently unamused in his heavy coat, wearing mittens. By the end of the day, Bernie had gone viral. And I'm not talking COVID. Thousands of memes created by various people putting him in funny situations. A roller coaster, the cranky old man from Pixar's Up, even the moon. Bernie laughed the next day, saying he was just trying to stay warm. It was in the low 40s and windy. Nevertheless, everyone enjoyed a chuckle. But something else. The gospel began with humble origins. But Christ's kingdom continues to grow, changing lives all over the world. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, here on Monday, sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. And we're starting our final week in a series we've aired all month called Meeting Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. I can't begin to explain the blessing it's been to me to work through the third gospel this month with you. I pray it has encouraged your love for Jesus as much as it has mine. Today we're going to see in Luke 20, a tale of cross-examinations. The religious leaders hated how Jesus was becoming loved and he was followed by the people of Israel. They also hated how he called out their hypocrisy. And no matter how hard they tried to trap Jesus, he kept turning the tables on them. I want to invite you to stay with me as we dive into this powerful chapter that all the more reveals that Jesus was truly the Messiah. Now, even though this is our final week looking at the Gospel of Luke, it's still not too late for you to start reading this third Gospel. And one way you could do that is by watching the Gospel of Luke feature film. The DVD we have for you tells the story of Christ, word for word, from the Bible. And I really like how the DVD lets you choose between either the New International Version or the King James Version of the Bible. This movie is filled with talented actors. It was shot on location in the Mediterranean, all of which helps to bring Luke's gospel to life. I haven't seen anything like this before, and I think it will help you better understand the life of Christ. So call us after the program. Make your gift to this listener-supported ministry. And with our thanks, we'll send you the Gospel of Luke DVD. You just need to call us in a few minutes at 800-654-2836. 800-65-HAVEN. Or go watch some sample scenes from the DVD. They're on our website, where you can also make your gift and place your order. Haventoday.org. Haventoday.org. And now let's start the program. We open with Jeremy Camp. So many questions, the world is reaching. So many hurting, so many lost. With all this striving, who can we lean on? Creation's crying. 
The song is called The Answer, sung for us by Jeremy Kemp here on This Haven Today. And we're looking at the Gospel of Luke and meeting Jesus on our final week in January. Whether it's Judge Judy or Law and Order, the most captivating moments on television can be the cross-examinations. A defendant or a witness being asked a line of questions intended to lead them into a trap where they either contradict themselves or prove that they are guilty. It takes an extremely skilled lawyer to do that consistently. And maybe that's why these kinds of shows are so popular. We're not sure how they are going to trap their witness or defendant. But once they do, we see how clear the case is. And as we enter the final last week of our month-long series on Luke, we're going to see in Luke 20 a tale of cross-examinations. The religious leaders hated it that Jesus was becoming more and more popular. They hated that he criticized their hypocrisy. So they sent various scribes and teachers of the law attempting to trap Jesus in a contradiction. They sent cross-examiners to discredit Christ, but they couldn't do it. And eventually, Jesus turned the tables and began his own line of questioning, which not only discredited them, but also showed even more clearly that he truly was the Messiah. Well, let's listen to the first scene of this exciting moment in the ministry of Jesus from Luke 20. One day, as Jesus was teaching the people in the temple courts and proclaiming the good news, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, together with the elders, came up to him. Tell us by what authority you are doing these things, they said. Who gave you this authority? He replied, I will also ask you a question. Tell me, John's baptism, was it from heaven or of human origin? They discussed it among themselves and said, If we say, from heaven, he will ask, why didn't you believe him? But if we say, of human origin, all the people will stone us because they are persuaded that John was a prophet. So they answered, we don't know where it was from. Jesus said, Neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. He went on to tell the people this parable. A man planted a vineyard, rented it to some farmers, and went away for a long time. At harvest time, he sent a servant to the tenants so they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenants beat him and sent him away empty-handed. He sent another servant, but that one also they beat and treated shamefully and sent away empty-handed. He sent still a third, and they wounded him and threw him out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, what shall I do? I will send my son whom I love. Perhaps they will respect him. But when the tenants saw him, they talked the matter over. This is the heir, they said. Let's kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. So they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. 
What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and kill those tenants and give the vineyard to others. When the people heard this, they said, God forbid. Jesus looked directly at them and asked, Then what is the meaning of that which is written, The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces. Anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. The teachers of the law and the chief priests looked for a way to arrest him immediately because they knew he had spoken this parable against them but they were afraid of the people. The first 19 verses of Luke 20 from the Gospel of Luke DVD. The Pharisees were hoping to trap Jesus with their questions. By what authority do you do these things? In fact, it might be our first question when someone comes to us and tells us important things. Why should I listen to you? It's a skeptical question, and it's one that's gotten a lot of traction in recent months. So many turn on the news or log into social media and they ask the question, how can I trust anything that this person is telling me? What authority do they have to tell me anything? The religious leaders were asking the same question. Who is Jesus that he decided he could come into the temple and the synagogue, teach the people, heal on the Sabbath, and essentially undermine our position? So they asked him the question, who gave you? this authority. It was an attempt to trap Christ. If he said he takes it upon himself, they could easily have cast him out and labeled him a rabble-rouser. No one can simply claim to be the Messiah on their own authority. Jesus couldn't say that. But if he said he got his authority from his heavenly Father, they could cast him out as a blasphemer, because no human being could claim God as his Father. That would mean he was God. And that's exactly how it went in John 10. When Jesus said God was his father, they picked up stones to stone him for blasphemy. So what did Jesus do? He turned the question back on them. I will answer you. If you can answer this, where did John the Baptist get his authority? Now, if this were a TV program, the suspenseful music would kick in right about this point because it's here that we can clearly see it is not Jesus, but the religious leaders who were trapped. They couldn't say he got his authority only by being popular among the crowds, because the crowds held him to be a prophet with heavenly authority. They would lose their acceptance with the crowds if they went that way. And they couldn't say he got his authority from heaven, otherwise They would be forced to acknowledge that Jesus had heavenly authority because John had said that he did. They were trapped. But we see here a vital point that all of us must take to heart. We cannot outsmart or trick Jesus. We can't live secret lives and expect to fool Jesus on Sunday morning. He knows our hearts and he knows exactly when we're trying to manipulate him. It won't work. And in the end, we'll find ourselves with no way out other than to submit to him and acknowledge that he's the Lord, not us. Jesus got his authority from his heavenly Father.
He was sent on a mission to save. Questions and doubt can be a powerful tool for our good, driving us deeper into the Lord's love. But asking questions just to find fault and to justify your decisions to sin or not to believe is downright wrong. And Jesus would find it out. This is the first cross-examination of Luke 20. The second is the famous question, should we pay taxes or not? Now, Jesus didn't come to dethrone Caesar. That wasn't his mission. He wasn't coming to forcefully and violently establish a kingdom. But the religious leaders always tried to make him speak as an enemy of the state. If Jesus said no, he would be an insurrectionist, violently opposing Caesar. If he said yes, then he wasn't loyal to Israel and was just as bad as a tax collector. Whose image is on the coin? Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Give to the Lord what is the Lord's. What was he saying? The coin belongs to Caesar. His image was on it. You belong to the Lord. You were made in his image. Give yourself to the Lord and stop worrying about your earthly possessions. A word for each of us, especially where I live in North America, many of us obsess over the stock market, tax rates, getting as much of a tax break as possible that we forget who we belong to. We forget to live our lives as a surrender to the Lord whose image we are made in. This second cross-examination reminds us to put our whole life in perspective when we come to the Lord. Sometimes we come to the Bible with only our circumstances in mind, and we search the scriptures for answers to our wants and our desires. There's something genuine and real there. Don't get me wrong. But when we are coming to the Bible to try and trap Jesus, to manipulate him to agree with us, then we're coming with the wrong perspective. He reminds us to consider who we are, precious people made in God's image, and to consider that our life is set in the context of the Lord's work through history. It's an important lesson we all need to remember, but it's the last cross-examination in Luke 20 that brings everything together. Let's listen to this scene from the Gospel of Luke DVD. Then Jesus said to them, Why is it said that the Messiah is the son of David? David himself declares in the book of Psalms, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. David calls him Lord. How then can he be his son? While all the people were listening, Jesus said to his disciples, Beware of the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. That was Luke 20, 41 to 47 from the Gospel of Luke DVD. Jesus, not as a defendant this time, but as a prosecutor. Not being cross-examined, but cross-examining the religious leaders. They knew their scriptures. They knew Jesus was referring to Psalm 110. But they were stumped. If the Messiah is David's son, why does David refer to the Messiah as my Lord? 
It's a devastating question, which they simply couldn't answer. We've all been there, embarrassed that we don't know the answer, feeling exposed and inadequate, and Jesus seized the moment. Instead of providing an answer or comforting the leaders about their inability to answer, he turned to the crowd. He exposed not just their lack of understanding, but their hypocrisy. He pointed to their abuse of power, their exploitation of people. These religious leaders will be judged most severely. Once again, it's a word for us. When our chosen leaders, the voices we prefer to listen to, get shown to be wrong and misleading, we need to look deeper. Are we also trying to protect their own power? Are they just using their position of authority to string me along and keep me subdued? At the end of the day, Jesus will expose anyone who is using their position in the church for evil. Jesus will protect his people. He turned to the crowds to protect them, to warn them about following the religious leaders who had traded faithfulness and sincerity for deception and power. It's a warning for us, but it's also a call for us, a call to follow Christ first, to hear his voice, to trust in him and him alone. It's a call to know our scripture, to not use it against others, but to let it change us day by day as we submit to the Lord of truth, our Messiah. These cross-examinations in Luke 20 are all set around a parable, a man in a vineyard, and he sends servants to collect its produce. But each servant is beaten and eventually killed by those he left in charge. At last, he sends his son. They conspire to kill him and collect his inheritance, not just a story. This was actually happening in real time. Jesus is the Son, sent to ensure the Father's plan, killed by those leading at the time. Christ is the one who gives truth, and he gives life, not by killing, but by being killed himself and being raised again. As we trust in him, we will bear fruit for his glory. Do you remember how Mary was grieving? How you wept and she fell at your feet? If it's true that you know what I'm feeling Could it be that you're weeping with me? Arise, oh Lord, and save me There's no
we try to believe what is not meant to be understood Will you help us to trust your intentions for us are still good Cause you laid down your life and you suffered like I never could And you Andrew Peterson and all was good from his resurrection letters. I'm Charles Morris here on a program meeting Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. When we turn our eyes from the world to Jesus, we're reminded that he is always good toward his people. Sometimes we forget this, sadly, and that's why we need to spend time with him again. And I can't think of a better way to do this by reading through the Gospel of Luke with me. There's still time left in the month, and there's still time to also get a copy, the DVD, of the Gospel of Luke. And as you watch this word-for-word presentation of the Gospel, your affection for Jesus will grow. And what I really like about it so much is that you can choose whether you want to watch it using either the New International Version or the King James Bible translations. This DVD experience will help you begin this year fresh in your walk with Jesus. Just call us right now. Make your gift and we'll send you the Gospel of Luke DVD. Our number to call, do it right now, please, is 800-654-2836. 800-65-HAVEN. Or go online, watch those scenes we've put up from the movie and make your gift there at haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow? When on Tuesday, we'll meet up again. We'll still be in Luke's Gospel. And we'll do that in light of the great story. It's all about Jesus, here on Haven Today. For your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. There's an old nighttime prayer that parents use to teach their kids. It starts like this. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. So simple, yet profound. The most vulnerable time in anyone's life is when they're asleep. No defenses up, no awareness of what's going on. Yet Christians have a unique comfort. The Lord watches over us. Even more, Psalm 127 reminds us that the Lord actually gives sleep as a gift to his children. Sometimes the godliest thing any of us can do is to take a nap. The Lord himself grants sleep to his beloved, and his love guards their souls while they do so. Spend more time with Jesus with Anchor Devotional. Visit GetAnchor.com.